And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonless Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me, uh, not Eric Green. Uh, serious, serious upgrade again this week uh, for part two of our two-part draft preview podcast. The king of this stuff, Sam Vecini. What's up, man? Uh, I'm, I'm Eric. I'm Eric Green. Yeah, you. That's who I nope. Am. Nope. This is this is Eric not, Kareem uh, here. Yeah, not nasally enough. That's for <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, Sam, how are you, man? This is uh, this is a heavy time for you. This is your week. Oh, I'm doing well, man. Uh, it's good to good to chat. It's always good to uh, get on the phone with you and uh, talk through prospects. This is something that you uh, you love. Uh, we we have a few mutual shared interests. So the draft is one of them. The other one is just pop punk music of all varieties. Of I mean, it's uh, it's always a fun time. I, I feel like feel like I should share. I've been listening to a lot of all time low to write the okay. draft guide. Um, I, I'm a big, big all-time low fan in general. Uh, trying to think, trying to think who else. Dangerous Summer a little bit as well. Okay. I uh, I was once supposed to see all-time low. So um, in 2016, when Blink was starting to tour for the first time with Matt Skiba, uh, mm-hmm. all-time low and a day to remember were opening for them, and they were playing here in Toronto at a, at an outdoor stadium, and a friend and I were going. And, like, we were at a bar down the street from the venue, and it was like, ah, do we really need to see A Day to Remember, or should we have a couple more beers? And then it was, <laughs> ah, do we really need to see All Time Low, or should we have a couple more beers? And then uh, I think maybe we got, like, the last two All Time Low songs or something like that. Missed opportunity. Uh, I've been told they put on, like, an incredible live show. I have not seen them live, but, yeah, I've, I've been told that they put on a great show. And speaking of Matt Skiba, I was never an Alkaline Trio guy. But oh, huh? Blasphemy. Blasphemy. But like over the last year, I would say I've like been listening to a lot more Alkaline Trio and I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of I'm kind of into it. I get it now. My uh, before I was falling in love with baseball and basketball prospects and seeing how they would chart, you know, you go back to the early 2000s. um, This is what we were doing for pop punk. You know, the the band only, you know, about on LimeWire. Then yeah. as they become big and play warp tour and things like that, that's uh that's how we got our start <laughs> digging into prospects. <laughs> it's like, whoa, 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 you you think take this to your grave is good? Wait, wait until their next album. <laughs> um, guys, oh my god. This is part two of our of our draft preview here at Raptors Reason Bliss. Um, quick reminder, if you're not a subscriber to the written side yet, uh, right now for draft week, there's 50% off. Uh, can't recommend enough. If you were ever going to sign up and you've been delaying or you were going to do a trial or anything like that, Sam's draft guide is reason and like the value for your entire year subscription. So that ended up being, so it's a hundred prospects and you said it, it ended up being what, about 120,000 words? 
Yeah, something like that. Uh, I don't know. It's like 140 pages. Like it, it's so the equivalent, basically, of an entire article on every prospect that could conceivably be drafted. Yeah, I, I think I like looked up last year like a couple of books, like like how many words is uh, you know Fellowship of the Ring or something like that. <laughs> Um, and it was like 190,000 words. And then this year is like a hundred and this year's draft guide is like 130. So it's like two, two thirds or no, no, no. no. So return of the King is 137,000 words. So basically I wrote like the equivalent of a Tolkien, Tolkien novel on the NBA draft. I was going to say, I have literally written a book and it was 60,000 words. Yeah, I know. Right. Like people that have written books are like, what are you doing? Like, are you insane? And I'm like, "I, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. It's worth it. And, and like for us as a, as a company to like have that to drop the day after the finals end. I, I think the only the only complaint anyone could possibly have was that there might not be enough time to get through it all by the time draft night comes around, uh, depending on your reading speed and just how much you're willing to uh, shirk work over the course <laughs> of this week. But that's what that's what the control F buttons for on draft night. Your, your guy's name gets called and uh, totally. just quick scan to there and then put it you know repeat the strengths in your own words in the group chat and be like oh yeah yeah, this guy's got this this and this <laughs> that's the move like that that's what yeah. you got to do uh yeah no it's funny like I, I try to try to we we try to figure out when to run this every year right um I, f- I file it in chunks like i don't just drop one hundred and thirty thousand words on our editors and say hey guys here you go. Uh, so like, th- for instance, like they've had the Cade Cunningham one for probably four months now. Some, maybe not four, but probably since April. Right. And we try to have a conversation every year. Like, do we want to do this earlier? Because like the godfather of this, right, is Dane Brugler, who does our NFL draft guide. And Dane's runs like three weeks ahead of time. But Obviously, the NFL season's like a little bit different than the NBA season in terms of the schedule and the calendar, the way it all falls. So, you know, we, the we other hurdle for you, I'd imagine, is the staggered withdraw dates. It's a it's a problem. Yeah. Like really the one that people care about is the college. Like, for instance, like I wrote I wrote probably one hundred and six profiles this year. Um, right. I'd imagine like Rocco was someone you already had a profile for. I did. And then had to, had to scratch. Yeah. I had, I had full, like full profiles on Rocco Prakachin, Guy Santos, who's a Brazilian kid that I really like. Yep. Uh, Carlos Olofsson, who was training with the Spanish national team for the Olympics. Um, Gabriel Procida, who was a kind of pop-up guy that broke out this year in Italy. Uh, who else did I have? I had Kofi McCormaker. Coburn. Maker. Did you have McCurr a maker? I didn't write like a super long one on McCurr because I don't think he's awesome. But no, nope. um, you know, I, I did do a um, did a long one on Kofi Coburn because he was supposed to come out. Um, so, yeah, no, I wrote quite a few extra profiles this year, which will uh, which will get me ready for next year. You know, I'm, I'm down to 94 Damn, it, now. Yeah. The, the big takeaway here is uh, that's how you pronounce Kofi Coburn's last name and not not pronouncing it like a teenager and giggling at it. Yeah, no, I think that he may have realized at a young age to to go with yeah. that pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so guys, again, uh, 50% off right now, new subscriptions to The Athletic. Make sure to check out 
Sam's Draft Guide. It's an amazing resource, whether you're a fan or if you're in a position like me where you spent the last three months, you know, trying to catch up because you aren't as in the draft loop um, all year long. Follow Sam at Sam underscore Vicini as well. Sam, before we get into Raptor stuff, one more question for you on the guide and your process. Is this week very fun for you or is it kind of like you're exhausted and and when Thursday's done, it'll be a huge relief? Um, I would say that I was pretty exhausted on Friday, Thursday and Friday of last week. You mean um, the days that I'm bugging you if about if Philip Petrosev is going to be stashed or not? I'm sending you Slack <laughs> messages at like midnight your time. See, like the funny thing is, like I'm pretty awake and like available <laughs> most of the yeah. time. Um, so that's that's on me. It's not on you. Um, but the uh, yeah, like I was pretty wiped. Like by the time that we got done with the draft guide, and you know, I had to write a mock draft as well for that day. We went with like yes. the full package. Um, you know, I had a couple other things that went live, like team needs. And then tomorrow, uh, I guess, you know, today, once this goes live, uh, I, I have a thing coming where I rank, you know, the top five guys in terms of each like specific skill in the NBA draft. Okay, like, so cool. who are the five best ball handlers in this draft? Who are the five best live dribble passers? Who are the five best pull-up shooters, best catch and shoot guys? Um, who are the, best- the five guys with the best vibes? Yeah, best vibe. That's my like, scouting take right there. Is <laughs> Scotty Lewis is at number one. Scott uh, Scotty Barnes is number one. Did you uh Scott I think Scotty Barnes became number one when he dunked on Scotty Lewis this year and then looked over to his bench and just started tapping his head like he's too small and then realized <laughs> that Florida was running back in transition. He was like, Oh shit, I gotta go. <laughs> Uh, All right, we're going to talk a little bit about Scotty Barnes. We're also going to talk about that mock draft you just mentioned uh, that went up with your draft guide this week. And I'm sure there'll be tweaks to it as the next couple days go. Right now, um, there seems to be a little bit of, maybe consensus isn't the right word, but uh, everything's in a holding pattern with Cade Cunningham, number one to Detroit, Jalen Green, number two to Houston, Evan Mobley, number three to Cleveland, which would then, everyone assumes, leaves Jalen Suggs, uh, the freshman out of Gonzaga, for the Raptors at number four. Uh, for a lot of this year, we've heard, you know, early on, hey, it's a it's a five-player draft. Kaminga kind of slid down that a little bit. It's a four-player draft. On lottery night, it was a huge deal that the Raptors jumped up from seven to four because that's kind of the highest leverage point in the draft in terms of tiers and maybe trade leverage. Um, where is your feeling right now on... On that top tier, and I know Cade's a tier of his own, but we'll, we'll refer to them as as the top four. Um, where's your feeling on on how that may shake out, and how teams are feeling about those four guys in general around the league? Is just is this just a a Houston thing and a positional fit for Cleveland, or have people soured a little bit on Jalen Suggs through the process? I think Jalen Suggs has so like it's hard for me because I have Jalen Suggs at two. I, sure I would do. take Jalen Suggs uh, above anyone that isn't Cade Cunningham in this class. Uh, I, I just believe in that dude to a ridiculous degree. I think he's um, really underrated in terms of like the skills that he brings to the table. Like everyone looks at him and is is like, oh my god, he's like this incredible scorer. You know, obviously can make passing reads and everything, but more than that, like he is an awesome defender. Like he is a ridiculous on ball defender. Like has 
Like, I don't think he's quite Drew Holiday, like, leverage defensively, but he can be an all-NBA defender in a way that, like, Jalen Green can't. Um, you and, look at, and won't. Just, well, just won't. But. Right, like, won't. Yeah. So, I, I look at the full package of skills that Jalen Suggs brings to the table, and I, I don't – I can't wrap my head around – I. I can, but it, it surprises me is maybe the better way to put it. That yeah, I, The the yeah. only thing I can really think of is that of the top guys, and maybe even compared to some of the guys just below this tier, he's probably the guy who benefits the least from the workout cycle, right? Like so much of what he brings to the table is feel and leadership and, um, you know, like you're not running five on five when you're a top four pick working out for a team. Um, and that's the only thing I can really think of to explain the kind of he was in the mix as the number two guy and now seems to be like fairly firmly the number four guy. Um, Green and Mobley and even guys like like Scotty Barnes and Kaminga, they're going to work out really well. They look good in one on oh or even three on three if any of these guys are are doing that level of stuff. Um, but Suggs is maybe more of a you've got to get him in a live game to s- to really feel what he's bringing. Yeah. Maybe some of that, but like, he's still a really good athlete. Like, yeah, fair. like those, are, those are the guys that tend to translate. Like, I wonder if it's more like, is it the way that like, cause he's rep by Wasserman, like, and Wasserman has kept him and Evan Mobley, like pretty low key throughout the process. Like, mm-hmm. is it, is it that? And I don't mean like to say that negatively necessarily. I mean, it just in terms of that seems to be their strategy. They're, you know, kind of keeping those guys almost off the board or like, you know, beneath the surface of the board, maybe, let's say, uh, in terms of making them available to teams. So, like, could it be that or are they trying to, like, navigate him somewhere? Are they trying to um, play the process in a specific way? I'm not really sure, to be honest, but I, you know, I do think that there are real holes, like uh, in terms of the workout structure, right? Like Jalen Suggs can be a streaky shooter. Uh, You know, maybe he goes in and struggles to knock down shots or something like that. Um, Yeah. Like maybe it's, maybe it's something like that. I I don't, I don't know. Like I I would bet on this guy to a high level degree. Yeah. Cause like it's, it, from everything that I've gathered, like from, from reading your stuff and following Gonzaga all year, like I can't imagine there have been like background or interview concerns probably, right? Like, like is he not, he has a reputation as a pretty good like leader and dude, right? Nothing that would be, you know, a problem, I would say. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like, um, like I haven't gotten like outstanding beyond outstanding reports on Jalen Suggs like I have with Cade Cunningham. Like okay. everyone who, you know, talks to you about Cade is like, this guy is unbelievable, um, incredible human being, uh, you know, goes out of their way to ascribe like high level, um, you know, details to Cade Cunningham. But, you know, n- not in the same way with Jalen Suggs. But like, again, like it's not like it's a not like he's definitely not like a bad kid. You know what I right. mean? So, yeah. Um, so it's yeah, it it's a there's an absence of red flags. It's just people aren't evangelical about him uh, in the way that they are with Cade. So where is I obviously again your your mock draft went up at the Athletic, um, which people could check out for fifty percent off um, right now if you're a new subscriber. And you have Suggs going to the Raptors at number four. How f- voice crack? Geez, uh, how fluid do you think spots two, three, four are right now? both in terms of the order of those couple guys 
and you know the potential for movement of those picks either up down maybe a team trades in but um you know i i'll be completely upfront i'm thinking is there a way that is there a path to evan mobley for the raptors yeah uh i've been trying to figure that out myself like is there a world where that could happen um, I've been trying to figure out, like, is there a world where Toronto makes its big swing coming up here? Like, could mm-hmm. Toronto try and, like, get in the marketplace for one of the big names on the trade market? Because they have all, they have everything you need. Like, they have flown way under the radar. Everyone's talking about Golden State. Everyone's talking about Philadelphia. Toronto has one of the best assets in the NBA, in my opinion, in uh, the number four overall pick. They have another phenomenal asset in OG Ananobi, who's like a six foot eight. But you know what, though? Like, if you're trying to get in the mix for one of these like superstar guys, it's hard to find a better asset than a six foot eight guy who's an all defense level player uh, who is really coming along offensively in a pretty real way. um, Who's also on like 17 million a year. Yeah, for four years now, it's like cost controlled right. and at what now like is probably like a slightly below market deal. Um, the Raptors fans have been spoiled, though, in that as the Kawhi Leonard rumors were heating up in the summer of 2018, it was like there's no way there was one camp of people. There's no way this is real because they won't move Siakam or Ananobi. And there was one camp of people of like there's no way you could ever come up with a framework that doesn't involve Siakam or Ananobi. And then they deal with DeRozan, Pirtle, and the pick that became Keldon Johnson. Uh, so I think when these things come up, Raptors fans are a little conditioned to to really grasp on to uh, Ananobi as a, you know, not even just endowment effect. Like he's the, he's maybe the most beloved non-Kyle Lowry Raptor at this point because <laughs> he has such a great gimmick uh, and he's gotten so good so quickly. Yeah, the, uh, the the quiet man gimmick is just phenomenal. I respect the hell out of it. Uh, yeah. Just um, stay out of the line. If like, the Raptors... No, like I, Sorry, but to ahead. answer your question, because I've kind of you know tangented a little bit, um, I think it's pretty fluid at the end of the day. Okay. And I don't think Houston has made a call. Like I, I'll just be upfront with that. Like I, I do not think Houston is 100% sure what it's doing on draft night yet. Cause I think that Houston like wants to still try and move up to number one. Cause I think Houston wants Cade Cunningham. So yeah, who wouldn't. Right. So I, I think that there's still a lot of fluidity in a way that people, I don't want to say that they're not acknowledging, but cause I think that they are now, but it's uncertain in a real way. And on top of that, you look at number three with Cleveland, number four with Toronto, and then number number five as well with Orlando and number six with Oklahoma City. I think all of those teams like are in the market for trades in some respect right now. Like right. Cleveland, I think, wants to try to make a leap up the Eastern Conference hierarchy next year because they've been bad for a while. Um, Toronto, I think, is looking for is like trying to make a move, right? Trying to make like a big move. Orlando has five and eight. They have a lot of flexibility and maneuverability with a lot of these kids. Then number six is freaking Oklahoma City, who with moves the, the stockpile to end all stockpile of picks. Right. And, and I think they legitimately do want to move up the draft board. Like, I don't think that the smoke there is false. It's just whether or not they're going to be able to do it. Right. Um, Look, twist my arm. 
six and Shea Gilgis Alexander for four. I, I'll approve it. Uh, <laughs> would you? Here's a good question. Like, would you do four for Shea? I think so. I would 100. Um, percent I, I, think I know he's a that. Yeah, like there's a little bit of an element of Shea's about to get expensive and stuff, but also like you, the Raptors don't project as a cap space team anytime. I, like other than this summer, anytime right. during the Siakam and an Obi Van Vliet core and Shea fits that timeline and like kind of role and stylistically fits it really well. Cause Shea then becomes your lead point guard. Van Vliet plays off ball a little bit more where you can leverage his shooting. Um, and I just, I love Shea. I think he's phenomenal. I think, I think he has a ways to go defensively still um, in a way that like Toronto's probably a good environment for him with Fred OG and Pascal around him. Yep. Um, but yeah, he's just awesome. Like, like we can be as high as we want on Suggs and Mobley and green, but them becoming Shea is like what, like an 85th percentile outcome for them, maybe 90th percentile outcome. Yeah. yeah like so, I, I love Jalen Suggs. I have him at number two on my board. I, I love him. Like I love his game. I love his attitude. I love everything that he brings to the table. I would move that pick in a heartbeat for Shea Gil- Gilgis Alexander because Shea is an All Star next year, straight up. If you put him in the East, especially next year, especially, in the East, yeah, he's an All Star next year. So also, yeah. like, I, I'm not, I'm not a huge believer in the kind of held assumption that the Raptors value Canadian guys more because, like, the history just isn't there. Like until right. Corey Joseph, it had been Jamal McGlure, and like, okay, Chris Boucher. But, like, Chris Boucher was also, like, a 905 guy first who kind of just earned it regardless, like, separate right. of, of the uh, of the passport. Uh, I don't think that it would hurt that Shea, like, had he not been injured slash extension eligible this summer, is, like, one of the faces of Canada Canadian basketball also. Yep. I don't think uh, I don't think that hurts. Yeah, no, we'll have I, a little I don't think civil that war here, though, yeah. about whether he's from Hamilton or Toronto. That'll be a... Uh, Oh God! A big who, thing who here. Who wants yeah. to get into those battles? Um, <laughs> I had to learn how to spell Mississauga uh, throughout mm. this process, so that was fun. Um, yeah. No, I don't think that Oklahoma City would move Shea for what it's worth. I would be no, surprised by that, but um, yeah, I, I think that Oklahoma City wouldn't mind like trying to move up to three or four. I, I think that they would probably prefer three, if we're being honest, not yeah. necessarily four. Um. I think it would take real pick value to do so, but Oklahoma city has the picks to do that to where if Cleveland like isn't enamored with Evan Mobley or Jalen green, Jalen, you know, whoever is available at three at the end of the day, it's possible. I think like there's a real possibility they could move up. Um, scenario where the Raptors trade down, let's we'll rule out the, sure. the Bradley Beal and Ben Simmons stuff just for this thought experiment. Uh, the Raptors, you know, it gets to pick four. Whoever slides to four is the guy they like least of the top four. And they're like, you know what? We're going to get some extra asset value out of this and slide down. Yep. Outside of the consensus top four, are there guys that you really like um, their fit and the potential development opportunity with Toronto? Yeah. I mean, I would really like Scotty Barnes there. Um, I, I don't know that Scotty will like, they would have to move to five essentially, I think to get mm-hmm. Scotty Barnes, but, uh, I really like Scotty there. I think he is a player type that has really worked well there in the past. 
I think Alper and Shangun would be really good there because they have the versatility in the front court to cover for his defensive question marks uh, between Pascal Siakam and OG and Anobi. Uh, both of those guys can guard certain types of center at the very least. Uh, I think Alper and Shangun can guard certain types of center as well. Uh, if you mix him with those players offensively, I think that he could average 20 a game uh, at some point in his career pretty easily. Uh, in terms of some other guys, I really like Moses Moody in general. Like, I'm yeah, just... I mean, and Moody's a guy to me that you want him landing with a good team because he's so role certain, right? Like, there's that obvious yeah. projectability of what kind of guy he's going to be in, and whether it's you know an eighth man out of the gate or whatever. Like, it's very easy to find a role for Moses Moody on a good team. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's a reasonable opinion. Um, I think he's so good that he is someone that will just work, right? right. Um, it'll it'll just kind of work at the end of the day. Um, but he's if he goes to a good situation, I would also say that there's a pretty real chance that he's one of those players who starts as like the sixth or seventh man and then builds into a higher role, builds into a higher role, builds into a higher role. And then you look up and he's like the third best player on like a conference finalist. And you're like, Oh wait, like this so is the OG and an OB path. Yeah, exactly. It is the OG and an OB path that on. Um, yeah. I really like him. And then the other guy I would mention, I think the Raptors really like Josh Giddy. Uh, I absolutely think that is not like that. Your is countryman. Not, that, yeah, my countrymen. Um, that is not, I don't think that's a smokescreen. You don't send someone here and make them sit in quarantine for 14 days to see a prospect unless you think that they are legitimate and you want to actually see them. Like it costs a lot of money to do that. <laughs> and it costs a lot of like manpower hours to send someone here to do that. So Look, I, I absolutely think that's a real thing. If they would slide back, I, I would think he would be damn near the top of the board at the end of the day. He's so fun, too. I just like, you know, we can debate fit or, or player archetype that, that fits with the Raptors or whatever. But yeah. he's like from a pure entertainment perspective and watching a guy develop over the next four years. He's uh, he's very cool. I like him no, I, I very fun player. I think he's probably the second best live dribble passer in this class. Um you know, six foot eight, really great feel for the game. Uh, knows where to be defensively. Just would fit really well with this Raptors team too. Yeah. Like Fred Van Vliet exists and would really help him manage the load in terms of creation. Like he'd be able to be a secondary ball handler next to Fred, um, long term at least. He'd be able to, uh, you know, play next to Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, who would be able to maybe cover for him a little bit defensively. Like and, and like this is the great thing about him being six eight, right? Is like a six eight guy is easier to find a spot for functionally totally. than like a six two guy who can't defend. Totally. A hundred percent. And, and, like, and I think he's and going to defend by the way. Yeah. I, yeah, like once once he fills out and gets a little stronger or whatever. Um and, and like that's the the benefit of Siakam and Ananobi is like they free you up for so many different roster building possibilities because it's not just that you can play small with them sliding down because Ananobi can bang with the center or whatever. You could play big with those guys sliding up too because they can hang like Ananobi can check point guards and Siakam can handle the ball for you and stuff. So you have a lot of 
you know, you don't have to look at your roster in this static traditional five position way. Uh, the same way some some teams might have to. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So, Sam, we, we've beaten around it just a little bit uh, with the other options that could potentially go. But um, quickly here, what is, you know, we're, we're covering our bases with all these different scenarios. Jalen Suggs is, it feels like, the likeliest scenario for Toronto. Yeah. What is your elevator pitch on, on why that's such a great outcome for the Raptors? Uh, he is a he's a complete player in the way that the Raptors have had a lot of success building around complete players. He is a terrific shot creator out of ball screens. He is a genuine potential three level scorer. He is one of the best transition passers I've evaluated just straight up. He is ridiculous. His feel for you know the touch and English and everything that he can put on a ball. Um, in those circumstances is unbelievable. Uh, his competitive drive is absolutely exceptional. Uh, the Raptors have had a lot of success drafting guys that have these high compete levels in the past. Uh, on top of that, he's a very high level defender. Like he is genuinely one of the guys in this class that I think could be an all defense guy uh, with the way that he hounds guys on the ball. He's unbelievable at that. So it's just a complete player who fits across the board with what Toronto needs, in my opinion. That's great. It sounds, uh, look, the Raptors are never going to think poorly of an annoying defender. It's just, they have a, they have a type and it starts with, do you irritate the hell out of opposing ball handlers? Um, quickly here, I, I know this is probably a fairly difficult year to project who would be available in the middle of the second round. There are guys. Oh, I love with, it. Let's do it. If you, yeah, if you look across a couple mocks, you know, there are guys with ranges of like 28 to 50 or like 35 to undrafted. There's wide ranges here. So a couple of the names we talk about might not actually be available at 46, 47. Does anyone stand out to you immediately as, ooh, it'd be cool if that guy lands on the Raptors in the second round? Oh, man. Now I'm, now I'm really trying to like, Trying to figure out like a realistic potential guy that could fit there. Um, Justin Champagny is a name that I actually kind of like for them. Just because competitive, weird, multi-positional player. They're really good at finding and allocating a role for guys that have weird skill sets. Like, <laughs> And look, campaign didn't work out in Toronto. Uh, so Champagne-y maybe, maybe can it. work out. You just chase that. Chase those puns a second time. Chase the ghost. I'm in on it. Um, um, do you, sorry, there's one name that I've been meaning to ask you about because he's not a name that I've gotten to um, dig in on yet. And I'm not sure what his 
potential stash statuses. But anytime a team has two second round picks, it's in my head like, oh, yeah. maybe they'll stash one. Uh, Bagaran, do you do you is he a Raptory guy for you at all? Begaran. Oh, uh, sorry. You you have my cake my manji cake pronunciation. Um yeah, definitely possible one. Six foot six with like a seven foot wingspan and obviously has the physical tools that the Raptors do tend to uh look for per- particularly from the wing position, I would say like those like wing forwards a lot of the time outside of Gary Trent, really um, the guys that they have tried to acquire do tend to be a little bit bigger and a little bit longer. Um, you can go back Norman Powell, OG Ananobi, um, Siakam is a good example of just like good positional size with length that plays like more of a four than the five. Um, you know, they do tend to take flyers on guys with really good positional length and strength. He's a full on project beggar Like it, it's going to take two years, I think before he can play in the NBA shot. Isn't quite there yet. Uh, but a guy that I think is a real stash candidate worth taking a flyer on, um, you know, mid mid forties, I think is exactly where he should go. If a team is looking to stash. I, uh, I kind of cut you off to to ask about him and and butcher his name. Um, anyone else uh, in that same kind of uh, ilk uh, of guys you like for, for Toronto second round? I would really like them to end up with Nimi Keita uh, out of Me Utah too. State. One of the best rim protectors in this class, really high level uh, defensive and offensive rebounder. Uh Terrific positional size, great strength. This is a team that does not just need a starter at center, in my opinion, but they could use another big in addition to that. And typically you can find those guys on the free agency. You know, I don't want to say scrap heap. I think that's like unfair to NBA players, but you know, maybe the, um, you know, the, the lower end of free agency is the fair way to put it. Um, I really like Nimi Keita for them. Like, I think that he makes a lot of sense. To yeah, he's what, he's one of the guys that I, I've become pretty enamored with as like, uh, let's get this guy a little bit of 905 time. Let's Because uh, selfishly, when we're in this part of the draft, that's my primary concern is I need fun <laughs> guys to write about it with the 905. I, oh, you, uh, you would love Nimi Keita too. Uh, yeah. Another kid that's like elite of the elite character, like Utah State, their staff – like yelled at me like hey this kid is an incredible human being like please like take a look at him he's amazing um we nice. we loved having him the last like he he declared after his freshman year and they were like we love him so much like we just want whatever is best for him in, in this process basically yeah um okay uh the the only other name i'm going to put you on the spot for one other thing after this but this is a name that you and i discussed Last year, when we did uh, a back and forth column about potential Raptors fits, and he went back to UCLA and suffered an injury, and so we barely saw Chris Smith this year. But nothing that I liked about Chris Smith is gone away, and he shot the three better in that tiny eight game sample. Is that um, you know, is seeing where Chris Smith is in his rehab worth a worth a two way flyer? I mean, I would find out where he's in his rehab before yeah. drafting him, but sorry. Yeah. I'm thinking more UDFA with, uh, you know, with a guy like Smith. Oh, I mean, if he's undrafted, yeah, go for it. Honestly, like if you told me he gets drafted, I wouldn't be surprised. Like if a team takes a stash flyer and is like, Hey, we're going to put you on a two year two way. We're going to let you, 
um, you know, really try and rehab under our tutelage over the or our I don't even know if tutelage is the right word there, but like under our training staff over the course of the next year, take your time. We really believe in you. We really like value your potential. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Like if they took a shot on him as a two way, two year, two way at 47, that would not blow my mind. Yeah. The two year, two way has not worked out well for a lot of guys, but the coming back from injury and the yeah. like, you don't have to rush it back. You don't have to take a one year. Like you don't have to feel that sense of urgency is right. I think a smart use of the two year, two way. Uh, last oh, one for I, you. I'll oh. say this, like the, the two year, two way. I think that, nearly no player or agency like representation should agree to a two year, two way. The only circumstance is if a guy is coming off of an injury. Yeah. Um, And I could see it a little bit of like, if you're a late season two way signing and it's like, Oh, we're giving you the rest of this year and then next year. But yes, the, the one Raptor who signed a two year, two way, um, changed agents one year into that deal and uh, got his got out of it. So yeah, uh, that tells you it, it's such a bad deal for the player. Like yeah. unless you are coming back from injury, it's a terrible deal for the player because there's no recourse for the team just cutting you at the end of the day. Yeah, it's like tops out at 50k guaranteed. It's uh, it's not a lot. Okay, last one for you before I let you get back. Uh, to your day, Sam, and continuing the podcast rounds. We are not counting uh, Chris Duarte in this. Uh, your favorite Canadian <laughs> in the draft. Not counting Chris Duarte. How I, got, I got some pushback. I included him in my written list of Canadian prospects, and I hung the caveat on there that, like, look, he wasn't born here. His dad is from Montreal. He said he's only been here once, but – and he plays for the Dominican National Program – but this is yeah. how this is how Canadian basketball fans do it. He's uh, he's theirs. But we're not counting him. Uh, your favorite Canadian outside of outside was of was Chris not born? I thought he was born in Montreal. No, there is um there is some confusion on that. That's definitely like if you read his, I can't remember if it's Wikipedia or his Oregon or his Oregon player page. Um, but I found an interview with him where he said he wasn't. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, you know, it's like one of those weird things, I guess. Um, he, he feel, it feel felt very much from the interview that he does not consider himself Canadian. His dad yeah. is Canadian. Uh, but anyway, for basketball purposes, of course he's like, he's going to be on those NBA releases of like, Oh yeah. Canada has the most non us players in the NBA. And here's the list of, of 20 or 25 and he'll be on it for sure. Okay, I would say it's probably Josh Primo in yeah. this regard. Um, you know, Pr- Primo is a legitimate potential, like solid NBA player. It's going to take a year or two. Uh, really high level shooter has very real body control uh, and potential to be a good ball handler. I uh, think he's still navigating that just in terms of strength and comfort and dealing with like contact and contact absorption and everything like that. But fearless, like in a really you know, substantial way uh, that profiles toward being good at that long term. Defensively, you know, I think he wants to defend. I think it's hard to say based off of the tape this year whether or not he'll be like a plus defender, below average defender. It could really kind of fall either way, uh, depending on how strong his mindset is toward it. But just the mixture of 
being probably a 38 to 40 percent three point shooter long term, plus potential to handle the ball. I think he's like I think he's gotten like 10 percent overrated as an athlete. Um, not it was he's, a he's quick a, climb up the boards. Yeah, like I'll be honest, like I still have him at 35. Like if you told me that, you know, his he goes like 19 or like some or like 18 or something crazy like that. I wouldn't be blown away just knowing um, how interested some of those teams were in the teens to like get him in for workouts. Um, I I would expect he goes in the first round, though, at this point, like for sure. Good. Let's get uh, let's get that Canadian draft streak back going. It ended last year after a decade. (laughs) Um, And if I'm I'm trying to think what other what other Canadians we have in this class, we have Uh, um, Banton, um, Eugene from Oregon. Yep. Um, AJ Lawson. That's right. Yeah. Maybe I'm, uh, can't remember if I'm missing another one or not. And then there are like a couple at the like very back, like no chance to get drafted. Uh, Shamil Stevenson and Javon Blair, but those are like maybe G league considerations. Yeah. I I would expect Blair will be in the G league for sure next year. Um, yeah, yeah, I I will say this, like I'm like sneaky in on Eugene Omaruyi. Like, I just want to, I just want to say that. Like, yeah, you've got about 80 in your latest, right? Yeah. Like definitely a two way for me. Not like I've heard, I've talked to some people who think he's like more of an exhibit 10, like more of a training camp, like G league guy. Uh, I I would give him a two way uh, at the end of the day. Like I would, I would have Delano Banton and like Sam Hauser and Eve Pons and Matt Coleman, like ahead of him in my priority list. But you know, like I would be very comfortable giving Eugene Amaruyi a two-way. Nice. Um, well, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where all those Canadian guys land. Primo's not going to land in Toronto because he's in that fringe range of obviously not on the board at four and won't be there at 46, 47. But the marketing potential to bring back the Andre Bargnani, Primo Pasta and Sauce commercials, but built around Josh Primo instead is... Uh, it's a lot. It's almost worth packaging those two seconds to move up for just just for the commercial. Um, so we never have to see the Andrea Bargnani Primo commercial or the like when Bargnani left, they replaced that commercial in Canada with like a commercial from the 80s and they've just never updated it. Um, mm-hmm. It's very funny. Anyway, uh, Sam, I've taken more of your time uh, than I intended to, which is what I'll always do when you come on because you're uh wealth of information about this stuff and i love chatting with you love reading your stuff and very thankful to call you a teammate everyone should check out your draft guide all hundred twenty thousand, all all lord of the rings words of it yeah and uh man thank you so much for this and i i hope this uh hope this week treats you well i hope it does too blake thank you for uh thanks for having me on man all right, guys, uh, a reminder again, 50% off a new athletic subscription right now. Uh, you can go to theathletic.com slash we the six. You can click on Sam's draft guide. You can click on any of mine or Eric's articles. Um, and that should flash up at you from everywhere that you can get 50% off. And this, the highest leverage of weeks, especially if you're, uh, I mean, especially if you're a Raptor fan and you just went from a title contending team to having to root for ping pong balls for a season. This is, uh, this is your week. Enjoy it. Eric and I will be back to talk to you after the draft, probably Friday, probably not Thursday night. Uh, have a great week, everyone. Enjoy the draft. And Sam, thanks again, buddy.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.